And so um, I think we took a, like, I don't know if scorched earth is the right term here, but we took it like, okay, let's just, let's just erase. Burned it down and rebuilt yeah, it. Burned it down and rebuilt, exactly. We will be the Phoenix rising. Welcome to Creative Leadership with Heart, the podcast where we dive deep into the world of creative leadership. I'm your host, Rico Nassol. Join me as we explore the transformative impact of heart-centered leadership in today's creative and design organizations. All right. Welcome back all to Creative Leadership with Heart. Today, my guest, Shira Lee Katz. She is the head of content strategy at Coursera. Um, she uses She's a user-centered leader and strategist in the learning media and technology spaces. How are you today, Shira? I'm great, Rico. It's yeah, so nice thanks. to be on. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, thanks for joining me. Uh, it's it's been a long time and talk we haven't talked in a while but it was good to catch up before hitting record um, it absolutely was yeah i yeah. love to hear about family work it, high expenses in the bay area <laughs> and the lower expenses in las vegas <laughs> yeah i mean if somebody's interested in listening to that they maybe we can have a different conversation for them that's right that's right <laughs> um, but yeah just get into it so can you tell us a little bit about you you, you told me a little bit about your aspirations as a child and we'd love to get into that but what brought you to your journey into content into strategy into technology and just giving a little bit of people a, a little bit of context on who you are oh yeah okay so i'll say who i am first and i'll say kind of what brought me here and it's it's a meandering path i'm like not that person who goes straight for my goal i'll tell you that much um right now i do work at coursera and um we basically offer all kinds of content and credentials to learners across the world. Um, we have a consumer business, we have an enterprise business, we have a degrees business, and um, our whole goal is to make them really affordable. So really like affordable content and credentials to help people get job ready. And we have them from the best brands. So we have them from Google, Meta, I wish we had ones from Netflix, that kind of thing, you know what I mean? And from the best universities, University of Michigan, Penn, um, pretty much across the, the world, in fact. Before that, I was at Netflix, and so I was on the product team at Netflix, um, covering kids in particular. And we really thought about in-product merchandising and sort of A-B testing to make the best experience to make our originals and our non-originals sort of sing for everybody. And then before that, I was at Common Sense Media, and there um, I led our app, game, and website channels, and they were really rating and review systems. So we developed the system and um, rated, rated and reviewed all kinds of media for parents, kids, and then eventually educators. And I built their digital citizenship curriculum. Um, then you asked what, what brought me here. Should I talk about that now, Rico? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay, so I will say there's some people who know exactly what they want to do from when they're young or even when they're, from when they're old, and I'm not that person. Um, I never know. I, I, I almost don't know what I'm going to do next week. And so what I have to tell you is that I have a very organic bottoms up approach to finding my career. And even when people say the word career, like, what's your career? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what my career is with a capital C. I just don't think that way. I think in terms of like what interests me in the moment and I move towards it. And it's usually something where I have to solve a problem and help people, whatever it is. So for common sense, I was attracted because I'm like, oh, you know, parents really have no idea how to think about and decode media. 
And educators in school are like, oh my gosh, the internet. <laughs> I mean, I'm old, right? It's like the internet and digital sort of online digital lives. How do we help educate our kids? I'm like, that seems like a really interesting and new problem to solve. Um, I feel that way very much at Coursera too, of like, okay, we have our higher education system. It may, there are many about things about it that are amazing, but it's not particularly affordable. And that's a downside for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So there I'm like, okay, is there a way that we can really help people who need an education, um, especially if they're more my age and are already in jobs and feel like stuck, like they want to change careers. So we really try. Um, and so, so I think it, what attracted to me was that um, we got to help, like I'm getting to help people get jobs, get an education who would not able to in our current system in the United States of America or in the world, really. Um, I think like the things that attract me usually are there's some um, bit of originality in the job, like, oh, this is a new job. It's a pioneering job. We've never done this before. <laughs> um, some flexibility, like, you know, this is, this, you know, the structure of your job is changing and you get to change it. <laughs> so I think that's really, really exciting. And I think just the ability to pro solve a problem that is really big. Like, I love it when you're interviewing for a job and they're like, we don't know what to do. We're trying to figure out how to do this big thing and we don't know how. We're going to need a new way to think about it because it automatically assumes that you're a risk taker. And I love that. Yeah. Oh, man. There was so much like I loved about that. And I, I, I want to dig in more. If that's cool, because that's a whole new way. I've heard a bottoms up approach in annual planning, but I've never heard someone say that they approach their career from a bottoms up approach. Right. And you pointed out the things that you look for, which is great. But like for folks that are maybe lost and like maybe they're in their career and their role, they're like, is this the role for me? Or yes. I don't know what I want to do when I grow up kind of thing. Yes. How do how would they approach it? This this bottoms up approach. Can you walk us through what that means? means yes i think we, we got a little bit of it but yeah i'd love to hear more it's a great question okay so i think it assumes it does assume that you kind of know what you like or you know what you're passionate about so what i might do is like make a spreadsheet right you take google sheets or whatever and on in one column like the left column i might put all the things that i love well i love helping people i love this i love that da -da 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 down and then you might actually take all of the experiences in your life, not just your jobs, but things that you've really enjoyed. Like, for example, I enjoyed volunteering for, um, you know, a, a community center in high school. I might put that on the top. And then I might like, um, oh, I enjoyed working at domestic violence um, shelter in college. I might put that there. Oh, I enjoyed my, I hated my second, first job, you know, in theory, I didn't. But like, I didn't like that one. So I'm not going to put that there. And you put all the things that you love in your life. And it could really could be, I like um, taking out the garbage. Like I do not like taking out the garbage for the record, Rico. But you could put that in the Y axis, right? And then I feel like you could put an X then where things intersect. Things that I love and then jobs that I've had or things that I've done in my life where that's played out. And then you can start to see patterns when you put the Xs in the boxes. And the patterns, I think, tell you, they connect your passions with activities that you do. And, okay, so then you can say, like, you then have almost, like, job requirements in there. So what comes out of there is, like, okay, I, like, I must have a thing where I get to interact with, with many other people on a daily basis. Or 
I want to sit in a cave and never see a person again. Like those are two extreme opposites. I'm the first, maybe obviously, but I have lots of people I know who are like, I really would rather not see another human being in my workplace ever again, like in person. I'm like, okay, but you know that about yourself. And then I think there's some people that I know, it's like, gosh, the closer I can be to revenue decisions, the better, you know? And then there are other people who are like, if I have to even think about revenue and the man, like metrics of the man, I will just be so sad. And so I think that's really good to know about yourself. And then when you, when you, what you get from those X's is almost these like, almost like job requirements somehow, things that you mm -hmm. must get in this next job or this next role. And then you kind of look for jobs that have those. And I know it's not that linear an approach, but I feel like you want to go from your heart, the things that like really move your heart and your mind and go inside out um, in this approach. Now, there are many different ways to do it. That's one way. Another way is actually just like take, you know, many fields that you're interested in, right? Like you say, I, let's just pretend you're really good at data analysis. Okay. Then you think of all the jobs that leverage data analysis and all the sectors and you actually read a ton of job descriptions. You just go down them and you're like, I like this one. I don't like this one. No, that sounds awful. And you see that pattern emerge after you're looking at like hundreds, if not thousands of job descriptions. And that's another way to go bottoms up is like, you don't know exactly what you want to do, but you know what your skills are. You know what your joy is. You know what your, you know, what you gravitate towards that, but you really see it in those job descriptions. So that's just two ideas. Yeah, no, that's, that's fantastic. Like there, if somebody is really lost, I think they could rewind that and listen, because that's the same thing when I work with some folks that are kind of feeling lost in their career, it's the sort of same thing that I, I walk them through. Like, what are the things, what is your personal narrative? What are the things that bring you joy? And not saying you have to just like do what, like it's, you're going to find joy in every single moment of this job, but what are the things that find you joy? What are the values? Like, what are your must haves? What are your deal breakers? Right. And yes. when you start to put those things down on paper, even though in your head, you may know it, it starts to materialize and manifest in a way that like, oh, I actually like education and yes. like things like for you and they education might not have been on the top of your list but all the other pieces that make up the role happen to fit everything on your list so that's yes. that's amazing and and how has that been so far in guiding you through your journey well okay i make it seem as if i use this like really analytical approach and really i kind of do right because i wouldn't those things kind of have to be in place but then when you're looking for the specific job I think so much is about like, I hate to say it, but serendipity, just like, you know, the universe elements of the universe colliding, I would say in a, in a, in a great way. And also people, you know, or people you're willing to reach out to. So I do think that when I think about how I've gotten my jobs, it's usually I did have like a connection or a connection to a connection to that place or, 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 or person. Although that did not happen at Netflix. That was like a cold LinkedIn. Um, but I feel like that's often, often sort of the igniter is knowing someone um, at that place. And just like that, that, that time in your life is probably a time when you know internally it's time to move on for whatever reason. So it has to be timed uh, with when you're ready. And you know when you're ready. <laughs> and yeah. you know when you're not ready. Yeah. Um, going to talk a little bit more about your what you do. So what is 
one, what do you do uh, in content? Because even what you did, yeah, I mean, it, Common Sense, yeah, and Netflix too, you're helping us curate the right types of stuff to put in front of the right people, right? Mm -hmm. So what is it about content strategy? Maybe you give a little bit of background on what it is, because I think content strategy in a marketing context is way different than content strategy that you're doing. Yes. So could you give a little bit of context on what it is that you do? And then what about that? Um, brings you joy or interests you or, or keeps you in that space? Yes. Okay. Um, so it is true that a lot of content strategists sit on marketing teams. That is one flavor or kind of content strategy. I somehow have avoided most of that in the definition of what I do. I don't know why or how, but it must be what I gravitate towards more. Um, at the three different places where I've really been um, substantially, I would say it was very different. So at Common Sense Media... Um, it was very much about taking an editorial stance on, on sort of the dissection of media. So we literally had to create a rating and review system for children's media. And it had to be really evidence-based. It had to have like experts weigh in on the sort of the framework. And it had to give the right of useful information to parents about what was in media what was positive about media, what media would enrich their kids' lives in different ways. And so I feel like that was one definition. Now there, they're all kind of spin-offs. It was really cool because we got to package that into top lists, you know, top 10 lists of blah, 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 you know, apps. Um, we got to package it into these guides. Like I remember we had like a guide for, um, you know, for students or learners with uh, learning differences. That was really, really, really an amazing project. But that was a packaging kind of role. Um, I think that, that, oh, and then we created educational curricula. So like building of a K through 12 curriculum that focused on digital citizenship, that was like a whole other sort of version of content strategy. Rico, do you hear any feedback right now? No, not everything sounds good on my oh, side. Oh, good. I hear it on my end a little bit. I don't know why, but I'm going to try and ignore it. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, okay, so the next role was Netflix. And that was very much about really trying to, yes, put together a catalog of sort of curated content for kids that was ages, well, we said zero to 12, but really in my mind, it was age two to 12 because of all of the guidelines about when kids should watch TV. Um, but that was very much about like understanding kids um, like psyches and minds. We did all kinds of qualitative research around the world, really to understand how kids categorize content, to understand how they um, like get signals from what piece of content means to them. So for a great example, actually, is that so much of what we did was um, like synopses and words, you know, like you, you know about, um, you would know about a, a movie or TV show, certainly based on the video, hats off to you, Rico, the trailers, and then also the images, that was a huge piece of information but of course, the synopsis, like what was the description or were there like three words that described what that piece of content was for kids that can't read. And so the image meant so much more for them and the video meant so much more for them and for their parents too, quite honestly. Um, so a lot of it was trying to understand how kids categorize and think, categorize and interpret the signals you're sending through your UI and through the box art and through the synopsis and through everything. Um, I would say... That was content strategy in a very small nutshell at Netflix. And then mm -hmm. it's different yet. I, I almost wasn't ready for it. 
here. It's like a lot, but I would say content strategy, Coursera is really trying to understand the on-platform uh, data signals and the off-platform like landscape and market research to figure out what kind of content we want to put onto Coursera. So this is about building a catalog of courses and degrees and certificates that really add up to an offering that'll be appealing to learners and put they, putting them in a frame, whether that frame is like a trajectory through skill development or mastery um, acquisition or, um, or like a packaging. So right now we've launched like a generative AI academy, for example, and we had to really come up with a framework for how that academy would be structured, the content that would go in, the messaging that went along with it, and then the go-to-market strategy. Um, so I think a lot of it is like, you know, identification of content, dissection of content, packaging of content, and then working with design, product, um, you know, video, all of your groups, like, you know, uh, your creative groups to really make it um, come alive in the product. Nice. That That's a, that <laughs> description of what you do at Coursera sounds super huge. Yeah. Um, and I could see how it could be a surprise. So that, thank you for running through that. Cause you gave like three almost distinct examples of like how content strategy kind of manifests at a business. Right. Yeah. And I think people would be interested in like seeing that, that that's how constant, some content strategy teams operate. Yeah. The next question I have for you is like, if somebody wanted to get into this, what should they do? But then on also it's kind of the piggyback on that is what do you look for? in content strategists to join your team or to build these kinds of programs? Yes. Um, so it would have been very different for each of those jobs. Um, so I feel like in a way, adaptability and flexibility <laughs> <laughs> might be a really, really strong skill to have in all in, in content strategy. I would say um, a love for the content itself is really key. So at Netflix, like, I, I don't love all movies and TV shows, but I love some movies and TV shows like a lot, <laughs> meaning like with an obsession that um, is almost embarrassing, for example. And so you have to like really love the thing, the content itself, I believe, to do great content strategy um, at Common Sense, that curriculum, like I'm like, oh my gosh, I think kids really need this and like they will benefit so much from it. So I believed in that. And at Coursera, do I believe that people need affordable, high quality certificates, degrees, and courses from the best institutions? I do. So you have to believe, first of all. Then I think you, um, I do think being data minded is actually really important in these jobs, even though it says content. I think um, data is such a big part of all companies, but if you have a catalog, it's really looking across factors in the catalog. So it's like, you know, for example, at Netflix, it was like, what genre or category is it in for kids? Is this about a dog? Is it about um, a cat? Is it about um, bravery? Is it about like girl power? You know, like all these themes are really important. The There's a correlate at Coursera, you know, is it, first of all, is it a certificate, a degree or a course? Is it about data science? Is it about business? Is it about um, health? Is it about psychology? Like the topics and the topical sort of framing is really, really important at Coursera. Um, but there are other factors that are so key, like, is it free or not? Um, is it included in the subscription? Is, um, like, or is it packaged with anything else? How are we merchandising these things? Um, I think that's the next level. It's not just what the piece of content, but what's the frame 
is it in it? What is the frame that it's in? Um, and I think then, and how do you present it to the world? So it's sort of like make, making these data-driven and curatorial choices to put together this content mix and this portfolio, mm -hmm. and then working with your, um, I would say, partner teams across the org that's, you know, consumer insights and uh, creative and uh, design and, um, gosh, product and, and engineering to make sure that they actually are like resonating with learners as you hope they will and changing your mind because what you hope is not always what people do. So then monitoring how people actually interact. For us, it's like looking at revenue and looking at enrollments and uh, you know, at, at Netflix, it was watch hours and retention and like those key metrics are key. So I was a little meandering, but I, I hope I sort of answered your question, Rico. Yeah, yeah. I think it's if people are looking, it's, it's good because you're giving an in-depth look of what like content strategy looks like for you. And it almost like when you're talking about Coursera, it's like, all all the teams that were on creative production or whatever version of that org it mixed into one <laughs> almost yes. right yes. because you're yeah. doing a little bit of product marketing you're doing a lot of it a little bit of merchandising you do a little bit of tech you're doing all a little a little bit of all these things yes um which that's that's a lot of that's a big job to to roll up um because we had individual teams do this yes um now your your it sounds like your team you and your team are tasked with doing this kind of more thing. so and honestly i think the thing that i'm trying to get better at every day is actually then the capital s strategy you know what how do you tie this together and explain it to people at the company and make sure that the scope is big enough that you're that you're covering enough of the market that it's small enough and narrow enough that you're solving a very clear problem and that you're covering it in a very unique and differentiated way from your competitors. Uh, I, we could probably have another conversation about how to do that. I know. Um, that, but that's it. like another we'll hour. Time, we'll, we'll save that for another time. Um, <laughs> because I think that would be a good topic to cover at some point, like how to have these strategic conversations, right? Because this is creative leadership with heart. So like part of it is, you know, how to inspire people and things like that. But it's also how do you communicate these things to people who maybe don't understand the same kind of language that we're using, right? Who maybe yeah. talk in ROI and KPIs yes. as opposed to what's the right thing to do. Right? Yes. Um, yes. So that's a whole nother conversation. Let's save that one. Yeah, that's um, good. This is part one. Probably that'll be a part two. <laughs> He's like, don't um, meander on me, Shira. <laughs> no, 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 no. It, it's, it's good. And then, so, okay. So now I'm, uh, I'm assuming now, because I don't know your team that well, if you, you have a team, because you, you, and Netflix, you were more an organizer of like cross-functional. So like no yeah. one reported to you, but everyone looked to you to like get all of our stuff together. Right? Yeah, yeah. So for you now leading people, what's the best part of it? And what's the biggest challenge of the team that you, you're leading today? Ah, uh, yes. Okay. So I will say this. Interestingly, before Netflix, I, I managed a team of like 50 people, if you count contracts. Oh, wow too yeah. that was before Netflix. And I would say the reason I talk about it is because it's the first management job is that is the hardest because you have no concept of how hard it is <laughs> at all. I think there, the, my biggest mistake, honestly, is that I really was like, okay, I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to talk to this person about every single task. So they do something and then we debrief and then there's something else. And it was like this iterative process. And I'm like, this is not efficient at all. So during many years at Common Sense, I actually learned 
to um, really think about the role. Like if this role were to do three capabilities, what would they be? X, Y, and Z. And make sure we have like really clarity on like, that's like the, the scope of your role encompasses these th three important capabilities. Okay, given that in the next year or even the next quarter, what are the three things that we wanna do and that your role will do? And really, I mean, it's usually the person who defines them, honestly, but to have that conversation about like the three biggest things, places that you can make an impact. And then they can do the project, the project plan, they can do the planning, they can do the sort of more of the detail work that really carries it out in the execution. But if you don't have that frame, it is an absolute mess. And I feel like I almost drove one of my interns to drink. I mean, she's probably already drinking, let us be honest, but like, I feel like I almost drove her to drink because it was like so many check-ins like every day. And I'm like, I don't think this is the way to manage, manage. Um, but I learned that really quick. And then at Coursera, um, oh my gosh, I would say when I got there, the team was very small. I think it was about three people. Morale was absolutely down. They'd been without a leader for two years and there was no mission, no charter, no directive, no, no idea of what they did. I mean, um, I mean, I, <laughs> Coursera is amazing, but I think there had been a gap in leadership, right? Yeah. Well, you so, were there, they brought you in for a reason. Yes, exactly. And so um, I think we took a, like, I don't know if scorched earth is the right term here, but we took a like, okay, let's just, let's just erase. Burned it down and rebuilt yeah, it. Burned it down and rebuilt, exactly. We will be the Phoenix rising. So we, um, Let's see. What did we do? We, for, I first, I first interviewed like I would say fifty people at the company to understand what they thought my team did. <laughs> oh my gosh, no one had any clue. different answers. Fifty like, to fifty people with fifty different answers. Yes, I'm exactly. They had either different answers. They had no answer. Like I don't know. I don't know who who what that team is, right? And I don't mean to laugh. It's awful, but it's true. And I'm like, okay. And then the team we worked most closely with, basically, they're like, oh, you're there to like answer our questions. I'm like. This is ridiculous. So I'm like, let's build a charter from the ground up in a mission. And so over six months, we really worked together and we tried to understand what the biggest business problems were at the company and how we could help solve them. That was it. Biggest business problems. How do we solve them? So first we had to figure out what the biggest business problems are. And luckily our company is very organized. So I feel like all these were like on a sheet for us to look at. And we really mapped out how we could make a difference. And that meant knowing who we were, who we were not, what we could do, what we couldn't do, what resource we have. Um, I think over the course of a few years, my team got up to 20 people. And I think, you know, part of the reason for it was that we, we started from being very reactive to requests, requests and consultations. And we started saying, no, this is what we do. And today we actually, I mean, literally today from 12 to 2 p.m. today, we ran a session that aligned our whole org and marketing and product and the GMs for our segments. We, we did an alignment um, session. We've done four of them this week. And it really is you want to say it's the goal then was to say, this is our company content strategy. Do you agree or do you not agree? What do you not agree with? What do you agree with? And like we put it out there and it was really it was really exciting. And still I'm like, oh, we could have done this and we should have had more market research and we should have done this and da, 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 da. But really to go from where we were to where we are is so, so thrilling. Um, 
So I think it's been just an absolute thrill to work with the team to, I mean, I feel like we did it together. Like people have not really left either um, on the team. I mean, some people have for various reasons, but like we're a very cohesive team. We kind of operate as a unit. Um, like we did on our recent sort of company culture scores, ours were so high. I was elated. That That is such an amazing story. And like, there's so much that I want to dig into because there, some people I've heard like, oh, mission, vision, charter, like you don't need to have that. Like we have a company one and that's not, that's enough. And I'm like, that's not enough because you're not connecting what you do to the business. And if you can't connect what your team does for the business, one, that's, that's bad for them. Cause how do they feel inspired and motivated? And, and then like, what, how important do they feel? Yes. And two, who's, who's going to come along and say like, what does your team do? Why do we need you? Like what, no. can you explain like, right. So like, there's so many reasons why where people think, uh, this is not a big deal. We'll work on it later. But to your yeah. point, it was like foundational to like, actually, what is it that we're building? Cause you come here to lead a team. I don't know what this team does. They don't know what they do. So what did you hire me to lead? Yes. Like this kind of like super ambiguous, like question answering group of people. Cause that's not what we are. I know. Right. So, I yeah. mean, like, that's amazing. Like people who don't believe it's important should listen to that part again on like what you were able to do in a six month span of time and that like the churn rate is proof and the fact that you gathered all the entire business and gave your perspective on what the content strategy is or even maybe just the plan for your content strategy you weren't told what to do you're actually saying like we are a team this is what we do this is what we're doing for the business that's fantastic <laughs> thanks rico um, yeah I mean you're excited i'm excited for you and i'm i wasn't there <laughs> <laughs> well we know each other too so you there's like more connection reason to be excited yeah for sure for sure um okay so that's great and what it, that i think is the challenge and maybe the win um that you've had and so i want to get into now advice for folks you've given a lot already but if somebody wanted to get into content strategy or get into this business mm -hmm. what piece of advice would you give um, I would, I would think long and hard and make sure you like content, <laughs> right? Like meaning I'm like not a product person. I don't want to be PM. I think a lot of my peers are like, Ooh, I would love to be PM. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like my skill set, my joy does not reside there. So take a good hard look and make sure the thing that you think you want to do is a thing you actually want to do in your mind and your heart. <laughs> make sure it's a match for you. And then I would say, um, look, I mean, people do this to me all the time, but like, you know, if you know people who are in the profession or if you see them on LinkedIn, write to them. And some people are embarrassed to write to other people that they don't know. I get it, but do it. I mean, I take random calls all the time and I realize I have, I'm like, probably people say, oh, you're too nice. I don't think of it that way, but I do think some people have different tolerances for taking a cold call or a sort of a random LinkedIn. I have a high tolerance um, especially if someone's like, oh, I would really love to know more because, and they have a reason. Um, do not hesitate to do that. I think um, like the more insight you can get into a job, the better. So I think even interviewing people if, about their jobs and saying, I, res I, from what I can tell, I just respect the job that you're in and the trajectory that you have. I would just love to hear more about it. And I'm not even calling to ask you for a job. People are very flattered. 
And in those situations, especially, they can be very generous. So I would say gather information from a variety of sources. Um, that's that's one thing. And then I think there's like mm -hmm. a mentality, just like, don't be scared. Put yourself out there. I know it's so cliched, but um, you have, it's like internet dating, you know, the more leads you get, the more you try, the more likely it is that you'll find your dream partner or your dream job. But if you don't even like go on a date at all, you literally cannot get married. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I use this, this acronym for fear. It's false expectations appearing real, right? So we're afraid because of stories we're telling ourselves or of things that haven't happened yet, but in our minds have already happened, right? So we yeah. start to say, oh, I'm not going to make that call because they're not going to, who am I for them to take my call? They're like, they're the head of content strategy, Coursera. Like, of course, they're not going to talk to me, right? But we don't know that. We're just making that story up in our head. Yes. Because when it's safer, it protects us, right? Yes. It protects yes. us from rejection, right? Absolutely. Um, and, and it just, it's the easier more comfortable path, right? Those, those are usually, and if someone's going to choose comfort or courage, 90% of people will choose comfort just because it's easy, right? Absolutely. Um, but yeah, like the LinkedIn piece is, and I think you feel the same way. See, I feel the same way too. Like reach out to us because people helped us along the way. We, none of us are achieved anything in life on our own, right? So whether it was, whether they knew it or not, there were mentors out there that helped us that did something that said something either that helped us or even maybe gave us a perspective. Like, I don't ever want to be like that person. Yes. Right. But everybody taught us something. And so it's just our way of paying it forward and like helping other people. That's why I do this. Like, I don't, nobody pays me to do this podcast. <laughs> yes. It's because I want to help people. We want to pay it forward. Yes, right? that's right. Um, and in that same vein, maybe there's someone out there and some, maybe there's someone isn't, but who, was out there influenced you um, in your career that either as a, either as a mentor, a coach, and a model yes. or whatever? Yes. I'll say a little bit about a few different people because it's so hard oh. to think of one person. It's like when people say, oh, what's your favorite movie? I'm like, oh, I have a variety of them, but for different reasons. Okay. So I piano teacher probably when I was young. She is the kind of person who's like, do not practice the easy parts. You go to the hard part and you practice the transition between the easy part and the hard part. I think that was really golden advice. My cello teacher at the same time, she said, you should always picture yourself on a stage at Carnegie Hall. Every You sit in any, any room, you go to any event, you are in a recital for cello, you pretend you're on a stage at Carnegie Hall and you deserve to be there. So I thought that was really good advice too. Um, different leaders throughout my career, let's say, oh, one was very interested in like rigor and sort of frameworks and making things defensible. That was, that's important, the rigor and like the showing the data behind. Um, at Netflix, I feel like many people taught me you speak up, you disagree. If you don't agree with something, you can say it out loud. It doesn't matter where you are in a hierarchy, you say it. And at Coursera, I think one, one leader really taught me to be concise, which is not evident in this particular interview. Um, and the other person I think really taught me about strategy with a capital S and the story that you must tell to inspire people to that strategy, but to have like the actual um, evidence behind it too. So it's not just lip service. And then of course, mom and dad, dad, I mean, like the, my first job, he's like, you're going to negotiate, right? I'm like, 
what do you mean? I'm so happy with $30,000 a year, you know, in Chicago, Illinois in 2020. I was like, that was like a lot of money to me. He's like, you will negotiate. Do you know that women don't negotiate? You need to negotiate. So I feel like he always pushed me. You push, push, push. Even if you're scared, you do it. And then my mom, I mean, she's a role model, right? She's been a leader. She's the head of school for 50 years. I took her for granted a hundred percent. I saw her as mom. I didn't think of her as a professional. It is not now until I'm like, you know, 45 years old that I'm like, oh my gosh, mom was a baller and mom is a baller. And I had no idea. So I think like her whole being was like an absolute role model, but I took it for granted. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. That last thing, taking things for granted, right? Like it's hard because in the moment, um, but like, I'm sure in the moment, all of these folks that impacted your life, you weren't like, that's great advice. You're probably like, what do you mean practice the hard part? I don't want to practice that. Right. Yes. As you, it's like you build callus, like as you practice a hard part, it starts to become easier. It starts to become easier. And now you're not afraid of challenge. Right. Um, And those all things are great things, lessons to learn along the way. Um, And unfortunately they were coming up at time. So what, what are you up to? What, how can people get a hold of you? Are you said you're, you take calls. I take calls. If you are willing to share, you can, you don't have to, but if people want to get a hold of you and they yes. want to find you, yes. one, are you open and two, how will they do it? Um, okay. So you have my LinkedIn, I think Shirley Katz at Coursera. That'll be easy. My email address is S H I K A T Z at gmail.com. Shy cats at gmail.com. I think that's a good way. Yeah. Yeah. Or LinkedIn, right? If it's a, if yeah. it's a Rico is like, I can't believe you just gave that out, Shira. Was, yeah, that, was, okay. that, was that bad? <laughs> no, my, my email address is out in the ether. Um, and I invite anyone who has questions to, to use it. And if Shira, Shira sounds like you like the, the pay it forward mentality also yeah. to help, help others. Yeah. I, sometimes a little spacey and a little like disorganized to so just also take that into account if you write me. <laughs> no, I've known you long enough. I I, I get your Shira isms, and maybe, maybe I'm the only one who uses that. Oh yeah, I know that Shira. <laughs> but there's always there's always gold in there, right? So, um, well, I appreciate you taking the time to talk and chat with us. I know you're super busy. We were talking about it before, um, and we're doing this on a Friday. This won't be posted on a Friday, but we were doing this on a Friday afternoon. So, thanks for taking the time to chat with us. Thanks so much, Rico. You're very sweet always. And um, I always love working with you and you are a great interviewer. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. All right, um, we're going to call it a wrap today and we'll see you next time. Thanks again, Shira. Bye. Thank you for checking out Creative Leadership with Heart. Make sure you like and subscribe if you enjoyed the episode. We have a lot more content coming out. So if you do like, you do subscribe, you'll get notified when we have new episodes. All right, take it easy. See you in the next one.